eyes at the footman, which we don't have, and I am not rolling anything at Artichoke Sam. He is odd enough without encouragement. I was talking to cover my nervousness, and Julia knew it, or didn't know it, but didn't care why I was babbling. Shut up. Brushing off my petty little mutiny, Julia pulled off her mob cap, smoothed her hair down, and retied her ponytail. This is no time to start getting all socialist. If new guy reports back to the Heritage Trust that we didn't sufficiently doff whatever we're supposed to doff, we could find ourselves out of a job and our lovely cafe being taken over by a couple of maiden aunts who believe in jam pot covers and white supremacy. So get that apron on and round to the front double time. She disappeared into the back room, muttering about mascara, and I stuffed the loose bits of hair back under my cap. It was supremely unflattering and made me look as though I was about to dive into the sea circa 1880, but then I wasn't really worried about the way I looked, not like Julia was anyway. She worried so much about her appearance that I was surprised she had a worry surplus, but clearly she was concerned with standards today in the face of the arrival of what was, technically, our new boss. I checked my reflection in the cake cover. Yup, I still looked like the human cannonball in a daft hat, but short of a fairy godmother with an encyclopedic knowledge of Clinique products and a robust approach to corsetry, that wasn't going to change any time soon. A momentary wash of powerlessness swept over my linen-capped head. I needed this job. More than just about anyone else employed by Monk Park, I needed to stay. Yet I was the one nobody noticed, the one with the gritted teeth, carrying out the everyday tasks behind the scenes to keep the cafe running smoothly, cooking, serving, cleaning up, relied upon, as necessary as a hoover, and given about as much attention. Although, I thought, adjusting my cap, although I didn't really know why, because nobody would notice whether I doffed or didn't doff, my wheels were less likely to come off. I wasn't even going to think about whether I sucked more than the average hoover. I was stealing myself to go out and meet the newcomer and scolding myself internally for wondering whether doff was strictly a verb when the doors at the far end of the tea room opened and Josh shambled in, shedding feathers like a wear-budgie mid-change. Any sign of Bane? I asked. Hmm? Josh looked around and finally saw me, He'd clearly been lost in his own, quite bird-specific world, as usual. Oh, not yet. I've checked all round the estate, no sign. But she's got a tracker on. I'm going to go and get the equipment and find her. He trailed off, once more subsumed into a place where falcons making off into the wide blue yonder was far more important than the arrival of some bloke, picked up a leftover muffin from the counter and continued his amble out through the door by the kitchen. His hair was half on end, he hadn't shaved for a while, and his shirt was untucked at the back and flopped over the seat of his jeans like a gold prospector's escape hatch, but that was typical Josh. Nothing mattered but the birds. I didn't think he'd ever actually looked me in the face since he'd arrived at the hall in the winter, but I liked him. He didn't leer past me at jewels like a lot of the men who worked here, which always made me want to stand right in front of them, waving, or talk to my admittedly robust chest. There was something gentle about him, something that made me think of the old china we had on the dresser in the cafe, faded and fragile, 
and a bit chipped around the edges. I finally joined Julia in the gloriously oak-panelled library. She was whispering conspiratorially with Wendy, who did admin and usually only worked mornings, and the motley collection of other people who worked at Monk Park Hall were milling around and making free with the Heritage Trust provided glasses of celebratory wine that stood on side tables near the door. Clearly, our new boss didn't know much about his potential workforce, or he would have kept it to chilled mineral water. Monk Park stood alone amidst its acres with no civilization for seven miles, and for no civilization read no pub. The gardeners had already pinched a bottle, and we were only moments away from having to fish them out of the verbena. James, who was in charge of the outside staff at the hall, was turning a blind eye. In fact, he looked as though he might also have had more than one glass, and I was sure I could see a bowl.